It is 1900. We are in Beijing, China. That's where we are. And a new, born, a new baby has been born. Uh, his name is Wang Mingda. That's his name, Wang Mingda. Now we fast forward to 1914. And a school friend tells Wang about the Lord Jesus Christ. And immediately there's a radical and profound change in Wang's life. It's radical. Wang says, I began to hate all sin and unrighteousness. I began to long for a life of purity and godliness. That's at the age of 14. Why is that school? Six years later, it's 1920, Wang's spiritual life deepens now. He's been reading the Bible. Now, of course, Wang was baptized as a baby. But as he reads the Bible, he rightly becomes convinced that he should be baptized properly by full immersion. The only problem is that Wang is now a school teacher at a missionary school run by Presbyterian, by Presbyterian missionaries. So his biblical belief immediately costs him his job. The headmaster sacks him. But Wang presses on. On a cold January, Wang and his friends break the ice at a creek in Beijing, and they plunge themselves into the freezing water to be baptized by full immersion. It is now 1924. 24-year-old Wang is now back at home, having lost his job. He's living with his mom. He spends his time in fervent prayer and studying the Bible. I think for 60 days or so, Wang reads through the Bible six times. And he's praying continuously. And as he's reading the Bible, his burden for teaching just keeps on growing. So he starts a home Bible study and prayer meeting in the home. And soon the numbers skyrocket, right? People are coming to hear, sit under the teaching of Wang Windao. And it's so gross that they need to find a bigger meeting place. And so by 1937, the church that Wang started has become very big and they, it's built as a large church now. And it just keeps on growing. The church by then now, a few years later, is one of the largest evangelical and baptistic churches in Beijing. But in 1949, something dark happens in China. China turns a dark age. It now comes under communist rule. All foreign missionaries are expelled from China. All churches are now told they must promote communism by being organized under the Three Self Patriotic Movement, TSPM. And of course, many church leaders come under pressure, and many of them give in. They give in to the government. But Wang Mingdao refuses. He says, I am ready to pay any price to preserve the word of God and suffer to preach it. And he boldly encourages his church to stand firm. He says this to them, be strong in the power of the Lord. Don't be cowards. Don't be worried. 
Don't give in to compromise. And of course, it's communist China. So the government hears about it. And in 1955, Wang and his wife are arrested at midnight at gunpoint, tied with ropes, and taken to prison alongside 18 other church members. Wang is sentenced for 15 years in prison for his faith, but the official charge simply says he's been, sent, he's been imprisoned for resistance to the government. And so Wang is there now in prison in 1955. He's languishing in prison. He's suffering terrible physical and mental torture. And it's going on. He's relentless. And so it happens that after some time, Wang Minda finally cracks. He signs a confession. He signs a confession that admits that he's been resisting the government he effectively compromises. And of course, the government happily releases him. And they trumpet his change. It's a big thing for China, for, for Wang Mindao, to confess in this way. His betrayal to Christ means he's no longer a threat to the communist government. So Wang is released, he comes home. But Wang is not happy. He has a guilty and grieved conscience. He feels ashamed at denying his Lord like the Apostle Peter did. And his life now descends into spiritual despair. So after a short period of despair, as it were, Wang and his wife sit down, they pray through this, and they say, we must go and tell the government the truth. He decides to go and tell the government that his confession was false. It did not really represent his true feeling in his heart. Jesus is Lord and is Lord of the church. And so Wang tells the authorities. And so in 1958, Wang and his wife are sent back to prison. They willingly give themselves up to be tortured all over again. And the torture is relentless. It gets, it's even worse. The sentence says Wang has been sentenced for 22 years, but actually, he lasts there longer than that. Him and his wife. Because in 1973, after 25 years, that is when Mrs. Wang is released from prison. And she comes out of prison blind in one eye. I think she would be also similar age as Wang, so probably in her 70s. Six years later, Wang Mindao is also released. And he's released as old, frail. He's lost all tooth. He's deaf. He's nearly blind. But his faith and the faith of his wife in the Lord Jesus Christ is still unshakable. Wang goes on to still share the gospel and to encourage churches around the world. The challenging story of Wang Mindao is a helpful illustration of the topic we are looking at this morning. Growing in meekness, in meekness, 
We are currently exploring Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, which says this, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Yeah. In this verse, Paul is teaching us the qualities or the virtues that all followers of Christ should have in their lives. And so far we have looked at compassionate hearts, we've looked at kindness, we've looked at humility, and now today we are looking at the next virtue listed here, meekness. Meekness. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, and then meekness. Now, the word translated meekness here in our church Bible version, the ESV, as meekness, in the original language that the letter was written in, New Testament Greek, the, the Greek word is prautes, prautes, P-R-A-U-T-E-S. And it can be translated as meekness, as the ESV has done, or it can also mean gentleness. If you have the NIV in front of you, or perhaps you've got the new... Uh, Legacy Standard Bible that Grace Community Church, led by John MacArthur, have released, that also has gentleness. Now, we're not going to choose between these two words. We're actually going to look at both meekness and gentleness today, because the words are both meaning. We won't really understand what Paul is getting at unless we look at both of them. So this morning we'll look at meekness, and then this evening we'll look at gentleness. So let us look at meekness now. What is meekness? Well, in the Bible, meekness is being willing to suffer injury out of submission to God and out of love for the source or cause of the injury. It is what Wang Mindao did twice, especially the second time. Him and his wife willingly allowed themselves to go to prison out of submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. They turned up the government ready to be tortured for Christ. And of course, Wang also believed that every person needed to hear the good news of Jesus, including those who tortured him. He loved the, those people as human beings in need of the gospel. So meekness here is... Being willing to suffer injury out of submission to God and out of love for the source or cause of our injury. Now, we need to clarify a few things about meekness. First of all, true meekness is a quality that we show when our injury is currently being done to us. It is a present quality. It is a present virtue. It is something we show in the now. We cannot show we are being meek unless we are currently suffering injury from someone. So if you're not suffering any injury under God or from someone, you're not currently, obviously, don't have an opportunity yet to uh, grow in weakness in that, at the present. But if you're going through some suffering and pain, either under and of God in general or specific most of the time, from someone, then you have the opportunity to grow in meekness. Then this message, to some degree, is for you. It is for you. Wang, and Min, Wang Mindao and his wife were being meek 
when they said to each other, we must choose to suffer for Christ. That was meekness in action. We can't betray Christ anymore. We must suffer if we must, I should say. So meekness is a present virtue. Secondly, meekness is first and foremost a heart disposition or inner attitude that submits before God in the middle of some pain we are going through. It's from the heart. It's the heart that says to God, I am suffering. This really hurts. And I want you, O Lord God, to make me endure this without sinning against you no matter what. That's meekness from the heart. And because true meekness comes from a heart of submission to God, we first need therefore God to give us new heart that can truly submit to him. None of us can submit to God the way Wang Mingdao and his wife did for the second time, especially without Christ first giving us a new heart. As human beings, we are born rebellious against God. We are born in sin. To be truly meek, the Holy Spirit must first do a second genesis. He must breathe new life in us and give us that new heart that results in faith to trust in Christ and to repent from our sin. And if you're a true believer, you have this new heart. You've been regenerated. And now Paul is saying to you as a true believer, keep growing in this true meekness from the heart. Put on them as God's chosen one, he says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, and meekness. The third thing we need to know about meekness is that meekness is not only suffering out of submission to God, it is also willingly suffering out of love for the source of the injury. If the injury or pain we are going through is being caused by someone, meekness is being able to still love the person while hating the evil being done to us. If the pain is not being caused directly by someone, it's simply a situation we are in. Meekness is submitting that situation to God with love for God. It's being like Job. Say, Lord, you've crushed me here. It's under your hand I suffer. And that's true for every Christian. In fact, because God is sovereign, all our suffering under the hand of God. Meekness goes to God and says, Lord, it's at your hand I'm suffering. I love you. I'm struggling to love you. Please help me to love you more. I want to grow in loving you. A meek heart submits to God's discipline out of love for God. Whether God is correcting us for a specific sin or just building us up, building up our general trust in Christ. Now, there's huge room for misunderstanding on this topic. So I just want us to step back a little bit and just want us to help us avoid any misunderstanding. We need to be clear not only of what meekness is, we also need to be clear what meekness is not. True meekness is not the same as weakness. If you ask your non-Christian friends what meekness is, most likely they'll say, meekness? That's weakness. Many think meekness is letting people walk all over us. Uh, It is letting people punch us as we thank them for the pleasure of feeling the pain as we drop to the floor. That's how they think of meekness. But that's not what the Bible means by meekness. 
In the Bible, meekness is not weakness. In the Bible, meekness is actually strength. It takes courage to surrender to God and love our enemies. Think about Wang Mindao and his wife. It took spiritual courage for him to go to the government and say, actually, we love Jesus so much that we are willing for you to torture us if you must. That's courage. That's courage. To be meek means you love Christ so much you are willing to serve for, his, for the glory of his name. And that takes strength, doesn't it? Spiritual strength. It takes strength to walk on broken glass for Christ. Do you remember Moses? He was a strong and amazing leader. But listen to how the Bible describes Moses uh, in Numbers 12, verse 1. In fact, listen to the context in which the Bible describes Moses. Numbers 12, verse 1 to 3 says this. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married. For he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord added, Moses being attacked by his own family. And this is a painful situation actually. But verse 3 says this, Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all people who were on the face of the earth. Moses, powerful leader, was meek. Meekness is not weakness, it is strength. Meek people have that inner strength of love for God that enables them to say, better to suffer for God instead of retaliating against my enemy. So meekness is no weakness. Also, meekness does not mean we should not protect ourselves. It does not mean we should not protect ourselves from harm being done to us. We are meant to care for our souls and our bodies. There is such a thing as a healthy love for self. The Bible assumes it. You shall love others as you love yourself. And that's why we as believers reject suicide, of course, don't we? Because that's I'm done to ourselves. Why would you do that? That's ungodly. We are to love ourselves. So I don't want anyone to leave this place thinking being meek means remaining in abusive relationships. That is wrong. It is hatred towards yourself. God commands protecting ourselves. What he forbids is retaliation against those who cause us harm. And we can protect ourselves biblically without retaliation. If someone at work is slandering you before your line manager, you have every right to set the record straight. That is only a lack of meekness. You have every right to set the record straight. But you have no right to then start digging up their past mistakes of the person and using it against them. That is retaliation, isn't it? Doing your own campaign. It shows you are not a meek person. If someone is bullying you at school, you must report them to the teacher. That is not a lack of meekness. It's actually the opposite. 
The reason why we don't report bullies to the authorities is because we're not meek. We're cowards. We're not willing to suffer the cost of being bully, of the bully finding out. We are not willing to suffer for doing what is right. And I would say the reason the church is so weak in this country and the government and that around the world, while there's so much godlessness, is that the church is not meek, actually. Because when we are truly meek, we'll be willing to suffer to stand up for what is right. Cowards are not meek. Meekness accepts suffering for doing right. It stands up to bad things. So if someone is bullying you, report them. It's going to cost you to report them, but report them. That's meekness. But you have no right to go on social media and start a Twitter campaign or on Facebook against them to shame them. Or even to take it in your own power to cancel them. So I hope it is clear what biblical meekness is and is not. It's certainly not weakness or cowardice. It also does not mean we should not protect ourselves. No, biblical meekness is our willingness to suffer injury out of submission to God and out of love for the source or cause of our injury. This is the biblical meekness the Apostle Paul is calling on the Colossians and all followers of Jesus to grow in when he says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, and meekness. Paul is saying to the Colossians and us, if you are currently suffering wrong at the hands of someone, do not give in to the temptation to retaliate, to get even. Yes, it is okay to seek justice, but don't retaliate. Do not let your suffering lead you into sin. Instead, first submit your heart to God out of meekness, and with God's help, show love to that person. If God has brought you into a painful or challenging situation at the moment, do not be afraid of it. Do not despair. Do not try and take the easy way out. Submit willingly to God to help you. Now, this command is in the Bible because God knows there are many situations where we, as followers of Jesus, need to grow in meekness. There are many such situations. Your next door neighbor plays loud music. Right? Just when it turns to midnight. It is robbing you of sleep, and when you come to church, you're all sleepy, right? They're making your Christian life difficult. What is Christ calling you to be in that situation? To be meek. To be meek. Christ wants you to willingly suffer the noise without retaliation. And if you call the police, I think you should, it is because you're obeying the law, because you believe the law is good, for everyone to obey. And I would say, the only reason you're not calling your neighbor is that you're not meek. You're afraid of your neighbor, but the police won't do anything. And they will turn up even extra noise. Your sister has been on the phone to your mother and saying bad things about the way you parent. She's always doing that. And it is driving you mad. What is Christ calling you to become in that situation? To be meek to God by willingly suffering out of love for your sister. To not retaliate. Christ wants you to pick up that phone. He wants you to walk towards the pain. 
of the situation. He wants you to get over yourself by reaching out to, to your sister and say, I still love you. You're still my sister. That's meekness. Perhaps you're currently going through one sickness after another. You no longer seem to have the strength you once had. What is Christ calling you to be in your difficult, painful situation? Meek. He wants you to submit willingly to his discipline. As he wields his knife to cut away anything in you that is not willing to suffer for him. I wonder, as you sit here this morning, where, where in your life is God calling you to grow in meekness? Where is he saying, walk towards pain for me? Now, I know in my own life that this call to meekness is hard to obey because it's so costly. So costly. To be meek, I must say no to me and my pleasures. And if my pain is being caused by someone, I must react to my enemy with love. No thanks. No thanks. I don't really want that. To me, it feels like self-betrayal. God is asking me to treat with respect someone who hates me. And won't even appreciate my respect towards them. They'll look at me as weak. I think to myself, it's hard to be meek. I confess it. And what makes it harder is that the world around me is preaching to me every day. Life is about being comfortable. Do not let anyone, do not suffer for anyone. Why would you do that? That's what the world is telling me. It is hard to be meek. And I think the story of Wang Mindao shows that even the most godly people have found meekness hard. Peter struggled with it. The apostles, all of them did. It's hard. We have all here at one point lacked meekness. We have compromised just like Peter did, just like the disciples, just like Wang Mindao and his wife did, because meekness is hard. And so we just don't think about it. And that their life shows that though meekness is hard for us, if you're a true believer in Christ, it is not impossible. Because meekness is who we are in Christ. The Apostle Peter grew in meekness. Wang Mindao and his wife grew in meekness. They were meek from the beginning, but the trial, the confession and everything gave a new opportunity for them to grow deeper in meekness. Wang Mida wrote a book which says, which he described himself as a stone made smooth. And that is good description, isn't it? As God works in us to make such make, he makes that rough stone smooth. If you're a true Christian, you will grow in meekness. And Paul is saying to us, if you're a follower of Jesus, you must also grow in meekness because this is your true nature in Christ. Put on them. Because you are God's chosen ones, because you are holy and beloved, put on meekness. Walk towards the pain for Christ. The Lord Jesus, of course, God the Son, is full of meekness. Paul writing to the church at Corinth mentions the meekness of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 1 says this, 
I, Paul, myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. The life of Jesus was marked by his meekness before God. Christ came on a mission to suffer. In Mark 10, verse 32, one of my favorite passages in the Bible, we have this wonderful description, amazing description of Jesus on his way to Jerusalem. Mark 10, 32, verse to 34 says this, And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed. And those who followed were afraid. Passage to be studied. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days he will rise. As we read this passage, we see Christ is so meek, so determined. They're all behind, they're lagging behind as he's walking. He's, he's walking fast to Jerusalem. He's determined to go there to suffer pain, to willingly die on the cross for you, a sinner. No one and nothing, not even the disciples, would stop him from going to that cross. Not even the devil. Christ willingly, meekly goes to the cross to suffer pain and die for us. In fact, the willingness of Christ is so vital that our entire salvation rests on this truth. No one forced Christ to die for our sin. He died meekly, willingly. John 10, verse 17 to 18 says this, For this reason the Father loves me because I laid down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Christ died for us with meekness. As a willing lamb. He did not go to the cross kicking and screaming. He died willingly and voluntarily for you. If the sacrifice of Christ on the cross was not willing, it would not have been acceptable to God. Because that sacrifice would have been cruel to Christ. He doesn't want to die, but God wants to kill him. It doesn't work. He was a willing lamb. He offered himself up willingly for us. We have life with God because Christ died in meekness for us. And it is because we know that we have been saved by our Lord Jesus, our meek king, and share life with the meek king. That is why Paul says in verse 12, Put on them as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, and meekness. Paul is saying to us, you now belong to God in Christ who is full of meekness. You are put on his new nature that is growing and you are growing to be like Christ. So keep on growing in meekness before God and others. Do not be defined by the standards and attitudes of the world. Be meek before God and let that seep out to people in front of you. So then, as we come to our final part, how do we then grow in meekness? Wow. Let me just give you some quick things and then we'll end. How do we grow in meekness? It's, it's in your outline. Uh, I've said five things to help us grow in meekness. And I'll run through them quickly. First of all, 
be convinced that meekness is good for you. Be convinced that meekness is good for you. Unless we believe something is good for us, we won't invest in it. Right? Unless you believe that you know, being healthy is good for you, you won't eat healthily. Right? And that's hard to be convinced. I can tell you that firsthand. It's hard to be convinced of something that's already good for us. So this is not a small thing. Just because we know something is good for us doesn't mean we become convinced that it is so good that we must change our life. We must have true belief about meekness that drives behavior. So this morning, let it sink in, right? You may think, I know all about meekness. Why do I need to have a whole sermon on meekness? Now, I don't know the last time you heard a sermon on meekness. I've never heard a sermon on meekness. But suppose you have, and you're thinking, I know all about meekness. Why do I need to hear it? Well, you need to hear it so that your belief can truly sink in that this is good for you. Let it sink in that you're a true follower of Christ. Because you're a true follower of Christ, being meek is good for you because it is who you are. Right? That is thinking that this is what growing to be like Christ looks like. I don't know what you think the Christian life is, but the Bible says this is what it means. Growing in these virtues, including this virtue we don't talk about. Meekness. This is a fruit of the spirit that we are meant to grow in. Become convinced of that. And you can do that by this afternoon, perhaps picking up the Bible and just reading through for what the Bible has to teach us. Use this time we're going through these virtues an opportunity for you to do your own systematic study. Open the Bible, go through the scriptures, see what it teaches about meekness. For example, go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, which says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Inherit the earth? Ponder about that. The whole world? What a blessing meekness is. You see, there are so many benefits of meekness. Review those benefits and be convinced of them. Let the Bible warm your heart towards meekness. The second thing you need to do is this. Like all other virtues, pray to God to grow you in meekness. Don't get tired of hearing this. We've said it for all the other virtues. We said it last week. We said it morning and evening. And I'll probably say it, I will say it again this evening. Prayer is the key to growing in anything. We don't grow ourselves. God grows us. It is his life in us. Therefore, we need him to grow us in meekness. And so, but the key thing is, I pray specifically to grow in meekness. If this is the fruit of the Spirit, you need to ask God specifically to grow you in it. Third thing, moving on. Repentance. Repent of sinful interests to your meekness. Repent of any weeds in your life that are choking your growth in weakness. Where is God calling you to, to walk towards the pain? And you're struggling to do that. Where is God calling you to sacrifice? And what is causing you to resist that? Is it the love of the world? Is it the love of reputation? Is it want of money? Where is God calling you to live radically for him? And, and, and bring those, those, those sins before him and repent of them. Repent of your love for comfort and reputation. Repent of the, God, the constant godless desire to be like the godless people of this world. Repent of refusing to suffer for Christ even in very small, simple ways. Like being on church on time, which means you don't watch box sets before you come here in the morning. 
It takes meekness to be in church on time. It takes meekness to turn up in the evening. So repent. Fourth thing, like with all the other qualities in verse 12, we need to remind ourselves of who we are in Christ. Keep going back to verse 12. We've already said it. Remind yourself that you are chosen, beloved, and holy. Keep preaching these three truths to yourselves. Yourself, because meekness is death to self, isn't it? And dying to self is painful, as I said. We can only embrace death to self if we are genuinely secure in God's love and his choosing of us in the Lord Jesus Christ. So remind yourself of those three things. You are chosen, you are holy, and you are beloved in Christ. Final thing. And it's probably the second most important thing after prayer. Study the meek act of Christ in the Gospels. Keep the life and example of Christ always before you. Now you can study this throughout the Bible, but I would like to encourage you to specifically focus on the Gospel especially. Be a student of the Gospel. Read them regularly. <coughs> there are two things I tend to read regularly. Of course, I go through the Bible at least twice a year if I can. I tend to do that, reading and hearing it. And I tend to read through the Gospels regularly. In fact, I've created my own Bible system that requires me to read through the Gospels at least four or five times a year. Do that. That's one thing I do. The second thing, of course, I read our doctrinal statement. We believe continuously. But above all those things, the gospel, reading them, key is key, isn't it? Regularly. Give yourself to reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And as you read them, take note of the way Christ exhibited his meekness. Ask God to shape you in character, to make you submit to God like Christ. And in those moments when you feel the call to suffer is just too much, go back to the gospels again. Seek afresh, see afresh rather, how Christ suffered for you. See his meekness. And learn from the meek example of Christ, how Christ reacted to suffering, and, and pray to God to help you follow in the footstep of Christ. And I just want to add something extra here. Which I know Sister Bissola would like, if she was here, she would want me to add, which is this. I think reading Christian biographies can also help us immensely. Read of how others have grown in meekness. Get yourself some good Christian biographies. And if you don't know which ones, then of course, come to me or Brother Ola. And we'll suggest some. So then to conclude, today we have learned about meekness. True meekness is not weakness or cowardice. It also does not mean we should not protect ourselves. In the Bible, meekness is our willingness to suffer injury out of submission to God and out of love for the source of or the cause of the injury. And if you want to grow in meekness, do those five things I've got here. Be convinced that meekness is good for you. Secondly, pray to God to grow in meekness. Thirdly, repent of sinful interests to your meekness. Fourth, remind yourself of who you are in Christ. And finally, study the meek heart of Christ in the Gospels. Amen.